What is up, people? Welcome back to yet another episode of Kickoff Sessions. You're joined with me, your host, as always, Darren Lee. And on this episode, I'm joined with a very special guest. Today, Heather Osgood joins me to discuss all around advertising, marketing, and really how to monetize podcasts for both brands and both individuals. If you do not have a podcast yourself, don't fear. This is to discuss a lot of the opportunities for brands to get involved with podcasting and sponsor shows that have a very high retention rate. They also have cultivated a large community and audience, and it's a huge opportunity for brands, startups, pretty much anyone that wants to start advertising on different social media platforms. A little information about Heather, she is a founder of True Native Media, which is a podcast representation agency that specializes in podcast advertising. She connects brands with podcasters to develop engaging host-read ads for audiences around the world. Heather has represented some of the best storytellers in the industry, from New York Times best-selling authors to highly successful bloggers. She's worked with some of the biggest names in podcasting, as well as a lot of these brands, to just find that right alignment and see what suits best for their show. That is why we hopped on and had a discussion today. In a short and sweet podcast, we get into a lot of the details on what type of a show should you really start advertising on, how much podcast downloads do you really need, what are some of the requirements that you need, and really, what is it that we need to do on a daily or weekly basis to monetize our shows. That is often the goal for a lot of podcast hosts is to earn another income through advertising. And I think today's conversation goes into the very close detail on that. So if you have a show or you're considering a show or you have a brand and you're looking to scale up your marketing opportunities, this podcast is 100% for you. So before we get going, if you can follow them below on Spotify or you can also go to my YouTube page, watch the video there and subscribe on that channel too. That'd be great. If you do enjoy this episode and you want to share it towards Instagram, that would be hugely appreciative. So I'll leave it right here. Here's my conversation with Heather all around podcast advertising. Heather, you're very welcome to yet another episode of Kickoff Sessions. I really appreciate your taking time with your schedule to hop on for a chat all around branding, all around podcast host advertising. I think it's going to be super cool. So I followed your stuff for the last couple of months, and I think it's quite a unique space, advertising, especially through podcasting. And there's a lot of, you know, untapped potential for new hosts, for brands, companies and also for people that do not have a show but want to get into the space i think there's a, a nice little niche market there so hopefully we can serve all of those different particulars today mm-hmm, great well thanks for having me on i'm excited to chat with you of course do you want to just give a quick intro even to your background into podcast advertising because not many people know much about it yeah absolutely so um i have actually started my career in the advertising space in radio and newspaper advertising. And then I owned a trade show production production company for about 10 years. And when I sold that company, I started listening to podcasts. And the more I listened to podcasts, the more I realized that there were all of these shows that didn't have any ads in them. And I was like, that seems really strange. Um, and so I investigated the industry and I found that the top 1% of podcasts had no trouble getting advertisers, right? They were full of ads, but then I was like, gosh, there's all of these other shows that seem like great shows. 
And I knew the average content creator was not an ad salesperson. So I decided to found the company to help podcasters connect with advertisers. And I can't believe in January, we're coming up on six years. And since I founded the company, the podcast industry has really just exploded, which has been tons of fun. That's crazy. I laugh there because I always say that it's 1% of an industry dominates 99% of the income. And then 1% of the income is fought out by the other 99% of people. So it's an interesting dynamic. And I think maybe because they have, they haven't understood how to do it, especially even me, you know, I'm number one in this scenario as well, you know, so I think that's where it becomes really interesting, you know, but for brands who brands, companies, startups, anyone that's outside the realm of podcasting, what really is that potential you see in advertising through podcasting as a new marketing channel, unlike other, you know, verticals? Yeah. So I really look at podcast advertising as being influencer marketing. So when we think about influencer marketing, the value of that is that we're bringing all of that host or that content creator's authority to the ad message. And that's why it's so much more powerful than running a standard ad message, because we know that, you know, through this host read endorsement type ad that the listener already knows, likes, and trusts that podcast host, right? Because you wouldn't be listening to the show if you didn't. And I think in a lot of instances, when we talk about the other 99%, when you're listening to a show that where the host is not a superstar, the reason you're listening to the show is because you really like that person, right? You're not listening to them because of their fame. You're listening to them because of the input that they can bring. And so really, when we look at it, there's a huge amount of influence that that content creator brings and the power of the host saying, Hey, you should go purchase this product. It's really helped me goes so far and really makes podcast advertising very powerful. It's interesting because it's like with podcasting, people get such a deep insight into someone's you know background and history and likes and interest. So as a result, then they have that kind of influential effect. Whereas a lot of YouTubers may be, all, may be only able to hold concentration for two, three minutes. And then as a result, then it seems like you don't get the same connection because I upload YouTube videos too. Not that many to be fair, but it seems like I do not get that same insight that you do through podcasting. So if you are pushing a product then, which is also a good product, it's fit your target market. It seems like it's more viable. And I think once brands click onto that, there's a huge potential for them. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that I always say that I think is so important is that there are a lot of obstacles to listening to a podcast when you're on YouTube. I mean, gosh, I feel like I'm not a huge YouTuber in terms of like, I don't go on YouTube a lot to watch, but whenever I am on, I'm always amazed at how I end up going down this rabbit hole and, you know, watching videos, like you said, maybe for one, two, three minutes, Um, and I wasn't even really intending to watch that video. It just, you know, took me down a rabbit hole with podcasting. You have to have the podcast app, right? You have to have a player for your podcast. You have to know which podcast you're going to listen to. You have to select the episode. So by the time you actually push play, you're pretty interested in what it is that you're going to be, you know, learning or, or what, you know, what content you're going to be consuming. And so that makes that audience so much more valuable than essentially a random you know, person on YouTube, um, or a random person on social media. And I think like you mentioned, the statistics are off the charts in terms of time spent listening to podcasts. People spend so much more time. I mean, we're talking excess of 30 minutes listening to a podcast and like 84% of listeners listen to 
most of a podcast episode. So the engagement is really um, great. And the time that you're able to, as a host, then spend, you know, connecting with your audience is really, really high. Mm. The retention there is one thing that's absolutely crazy because even like myself, I do see up to 50%, 60% well into the fourth, you know, quarter of an episode. So if I'm recording for 45 minutes, that's a, that's a long time to hold someone's attention. Whereas I just checked a YouTube video earlier and it was said, congratulations, your average, like, um, consuming like time is two minutes, two minutes, 40. And I was like, oh, fantastic. Fantastic. You know, but <laughs> right. you touched on something really interesting though, about the fact that like, there's a lot of verticals and obstacles in the way of podcasting. So you need a player, you need to sit down and do this, you know, so it is still underdeveloped. Like, you know, last year, 2020, people say, oh, podcasting is saturated. Everyone is, is involved in it, where the reality is it's so like fragmented. And I have a background in tech, like that's my main thing is, is software. And I can see how many touch points there is and it drives me crazy. And that's why I think that it's still at this early infant stage for brands to come in and avail of work with someone that's in a good uh, position and as someone that they want to have a long-term partnership with. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I crack up because you're right. So when I started the company in 2016, there were 400,000 podcasts and now there are over 2 million. And so people do say things all the time, like, Oh, you know, the podcast market is becoming so saturated. Well, there are 600 million blogs out there. Right. And so <laughs> we are very far from saturation in podcasts. And from an advertising standpoint, now is the time to get into podcast advertising because you have this ability to really cultivate these great influencer relationships. I really do think that programmatic or pre-recorded ads are going to become more prominent and more prominent in the podcast space. And so I believe if you're a brand that you should capitalize in podcast advertising now and really take advantage of those influencer marketing relationships. I don't think that host red ads are ever going to go away, but I do think that they'll become less and less. And mm -hmm. we still really want to cultivate that side of the industry because there's so much value that it can bring. That's really interesting because host red ads is something that I would presume that it's going to be, you know, that's like the, the norm. And I actually do quite enjoy that oddly, like, oddly enough, like if Tim Ferriss is telling me an ad, I kind of actually listen to it oddly enough. So it's an interesting kind of dynamic, but I think what's really cool is the fact that, you know, your company as well, it matches these and finds the correct partnerships. And that's like, what's really, really important. Now there's nothing worse than listening to a podcast and someone is like selling like a, like a, like a mattress, like it, it doesn't have an alignment. You know, if I'm listening to an investing podcast and someone is selling me a mattress, it just doesn't make sense. So finding that relationship is very difficult and it's the benefit in it. From your perspective, like how have you found even trying to find this partner partnership so it is beneficial and it's a mutually beneficial agreement between both parties? Yeah, yeah. Well, I have to say, I I hear what you're what you're what you're mentioning about. Hey, this is maybe a financial podcast, and you're talking about mm -hmm. mattresses. But one of the things that we talk about a lot is that while those matchy matchy relationships are really great, so let's say you're a financial podcast and Robinhood is advertising on that podcast, like that makes total sense. There's total alignment, and of course, we want to create those. But the other thing I always talk to people about is that I presume you sleep on a mattress at night, right? And so <laughs> even though you might not feel like there is a connection between the content and the ad always, 
it doesn't necessarily have to be there. And sometimes advertisers tell me that they actually have better results with podcasts where there isn't total content alignment, because it's very possible that on a financial podcast, for instance, maybe it's oversaturated with investment options. And so maybe that Robin Hood, you know, advertiser isn't going to succeed as well as a mattress company would because people haven't heard a hundred different mattress ads. So it is, I think it's really important when we're looking at podcast advertising to consider who is the audience and who is listening to the show. So is it, um, you know, is it a, an 18 to 35 year old man? Is it, you know, a 25 to 45 year old woman? Um, you know, who is listening and then look to target them. Um, when we want, so that being said, I do think that of course there are those magical moments where the content and the advertiser do align really strongly. And so when we're trying to make those partnerships, it really does just get back to um, who is the target customer for the advertiser and then who is the target listener for the podcast and trying to make sure that that match is really strong. Yeah, I completely agree. And even on that idea with the mattresses, I actually am in complete agreement with you. That actually makes perfect sense because it's like it's underserved to a degree. So there's not enough people selling the actual mattresses in general, you know. Um, you mentioned something about profiling, which is really interesting. So it's important to understand your demographic, to understand your niche, understand what's within there. Like, how do you kind of like weigh that up? Because let's say if it's a certain brand, they may be reaching multiple different audiences. They may be a male, female, but your podcast may be only female only, for instance. So trying to find that demographic profiling, should that be done on the, the host side as well? They're looking at their numbers and then they're approaching people to say, Hey, you know, this is what I have. This is what we can match together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So I would say that from a podcaster perspective, um, it's really important for podcasters to know who is listening to their show. And I think the biggest mistake that we can make is assuming that we know who listens to our show because you don't know for sure who is listening. So I always recommend that podcasters run surveys of their audiences because that will give you a very clear understanding. Um, Spotify has helped out, I would say, tremendously with stats. Um, while, of course, the majority of people don't listen on Spotify, there's a large enough percentage of your audience that does listen to on Spotify, and they provide some really good stats. So I always feel like that's a really good place to turn. Um, and then depending on the hosting provider that a podcast is working with, we can get stats out of that as well. Um, so it's really important for the podcaster to be clear on who their audience is. And I think that in both perspectives, both from an advertiser as well as a podcaster, it's important to not ever say like everybody, right? Everybody listens to my podcaster. Everybody purchases my product. Most most brands and most companies are very clear on who is going to purchase their product. And to your point, that doesn't mean that it is always just one demographic. They might, you know, a company might find that they have a variety of different demographics. And then in that case, my recommendation would be to really focus in on the key demographic or the key product that you're looking to sell. So um, for instance, if you were um, maybe an e-commerce company and you sold you know, a handful of different products, but you knew that your clothing line sold the best and you sold the most to women, then, you know, if you're thinking about trying podcast advertising for the first time, it's really smart to say, 
I know this is already a good seller for me. I'm going to focus on that. And I always recommend when people are getting into podcast advertising, pull the products that sell the best and talk about those first, um, and then look to find that right demographical fit. Once you've got that and you've kind of mastered like, yes, I know if I advertise this, you know, female skewing product to this audience, um, you know, that I'm going to get a win, then you might go to your second and third tier products or second and third tier demographics um, and look to try and replicate that. I love that because I think what's really cool is that there's only one clear action, let's say on the consumer or the listener to go and buy, because if it's a product that's, you know, good and it's selling, it's like you're coming to the podcast host saying, Hey, we want to sell this product. We don't want to sell, you know, an entire catalog, even though that may seem advantageous, but usually when you're starting with one clear product and it's kind of goes the same, with a lot of call to actions I do on my show. Like I will always say like, you know, follow on Spotify and then it's one clear action. I think mm-hmm. that's where you're generating a lot of the value sometimes. So that's kind of in that kind of, um, that kind of marketing approach, you know, what I think is something as well that people don't anticipate is how to approach um, advertisers or how to approach, you know, brands essentially. So I saw something online actually that I think I would actually approach. Let me t- tell me what your thoughts on this would be to essentially get some, get someone on Fiverr to make a deck for you um, that outlines exactly, you know, what your show is, what your target market is, what your niche is, um, all the demographic figures, your listenership, and have it all in a presentable deck. And you essentially send this to brands and you're saying, Hey, this is it, you know, and you also think already. So like my background, like I have a good background in like fitness, health and fitness for someone like myself to be sponsored by, let's say a, a supplement company, company makes a lot of sense because a lot of my demographic will be young dudes who are also into fitness. And so that's why if I was able to present something like that, it could be helpful. Do you think that could be a good um, approach for people getting started or something similar? Yeah, absolutely. I definitely recommend that you do something like that. Um, and I also recommend, like you mentioned, going on Fiverr, um, just because you maybe can use Canva or another, you know, product to create a media kit. If you're not a graphic artist, it's probably not the best thing for you to create something. And you want to make sure that what you're creating and what you're sending to the brand is going to match the caliber and the quality of their company. Um, they're looking for ambassadors that are going to match them. You know, yeah, maybe if you're looking at some huge, you know, international Fortune 500 company you can't expect to be at the exact same caliber caliber as them, but you do want to make sure that what you're sending them is solid professional information and that it looks really good. So yes, starting out with what I would call a media kit is a really good way to start. Um, and typically with media kits, you want to include information like who you as the host are a bit about the show, of course, um, certainly information about the demographics of who your listener is. Um, and then you also want to include pricing or packages. So they have some sense of, you know, how many people they're going to reach and how much they're going to pay for that. Um, what I recommend is that if you are a mid-level or emerging podcast that you look to try and partner with other mid-level companies. What I see happens a lot is that um, we see these big corporations and we're like, 
Amazon has tons of money. I'm going to see if Amazon wants to advertise on my podcast. And it's so much harder to get a huge corporation to advertise than it is to get a smaller company. So like you mentioned, um, if you're really into health and fitness and your, uh, you know, your podcast touches on those, make a list of supplements that you like and that you use. Um, make a list of, you know, maybe exercise gear or exercise clothing or what have you, and then go and try and approach those companies because they are going to be much more receptive to you than a huge corporation would be. Yeah. Maybe they don't have millions of dollars in their advertising budget, but you don't need millions of dollars. Um, <laughs> you, what you need is a good partnership and you're going to get that partnership with a mid-level company um, much quicker than with a huge corporation. Of course, of course. I think people that are on the rise and a brand that's on the rise makes sense to work in parallel. You know, they're doing it in uh, some sort of tandem and it seems better. And you could also get a better relationship service. You're building a long-term partnership and it's like, hey, you know, I'm not going to generate thousands of euros in sales at the moment, but it is up and coming and you'll be essentially, it's like an early investor to a degree. And they're kind of with you through that kind of process, you know? I want to get into the nitty gritty of the numbers we need to work with. So I know you target a lot of the bigger um, corporations and we can get into that as well. But what sort of bracket do you think people should be looking at for advertising? So a show on a monthly basis or however you categorize it usually. So what you're asking is essentially how many downloads should a show have before they really are ready to pursue advertising? Correct. I recommend that you hit the thousand downloads per episode benchmark if you can. I think that that's a really good place to start. Now we can get into the differences between embedded ad reads and dynamically inserted ads. Um, when you're looking at embedded ad reads, um, they are going to just be in one episode. So the downloads per episode matter. If you're set up with a hosting provider where you can do dynamic ad insertion, then you're able to essentially provide impressions across your full catalog. Um, and that is a very different kind of proposition because then you're looking at how many downloads you're getting in the course of the month. Um, but I usually do recommend that um, you try to get over that thousand um, download mark. And at that point, your show isn't usually going to be big enough for representation. Um, you know, a company isn't going to necessarily be able to go out and sell for you. But I think you definitely can on your own try to create really good partnerships. Um, I also recommend that if you are at that level that you think about starting with affiliate um, advertising because you could, anybody can go out and set, you know, an affiliate partnership up with folks, and then you can advertise that product. And what it allows you to do is get better at doing really good host reads. Um, it gets you the information of how many conversions you have for that brand, which is really good for you to know, because you don't know how many, you know, conversions you can get for a company. Um, and then also it gives you a nice portfolio. So then you can go to an advertiser and say, Hey, we have advertisers like better help and audible and, you know, um, even Amazon at that point, right? Like you could create some really cool affiliate, um, links and that's a really good way to start. Um, the next thing is that if, you know, if you feel like you're not, you know, maybe quite there in terms of downloads, package your show with social media, with your newsletter, 
I, I think that as you're growing your show, if you have other assets and you can put them all together, that also really creates a very viable approach for you to, you know, attract advertisers. 100% I completely agree, especially with the other social media channels. So for instance, if you're packaging in, let's say Instagram, if you're packaging in you know, LinkedIn, for example, of a big business podcast. And if, even if you had their logo attached to videos and clips, it's a big kind of like plus for you in your corner. If you're not exactly hitting those high podcasting download numbers, you know, so that's where it becomes really interesting because let's say for instance, you could do Instagram reels, which have really good reach. So maybe they're looking for that initial reach just to get broader, a broader audience. And that gives you much um, good decision as well, because you can say, look, I'm going to do so many posts on Instagram story. I might do a couple of actually embedded posts. And I think there's multiple parts to that partnership versus mm-hmm. it's just going to be straight through, um, you know, one single podcast episode. Right. Exactly. And that allows you to then charge more number one. And then number two, you can get better results for that advertiser. And who doesn't want to do that? Cause then you can just further the relationship. Of course, you mentioned something about pricing and pricing is a very difficult kind of topic to get correct. Pricing yourself out, pricing yourself too high. Um, how do you usually look at pricing in general? Yeah, in the I would say in the podcast industry, the CPM model is very common. So CPM stands for cost per thousand, which essentially is how much is someone paying to reach a thousand people. I would say that if your show has less than 5,000 downloads per episode, I wouldn't even consider CPM pricing. I just think that it's silly. Nobody wants to work for $15 for an ad, right? Um, and and truthfully, no one wants to pay $15 for an ad either because no one's going to value what you're bringing if you're pricing it at that, that place. I recommend um, really taking a look at what you think the true value is. And then think about the advertisers that you're talking to and imagine what kind of an investment they could make and how they could get a return on that investment, right? So let's say you have a thousand downloads and let's say out of those thousand downloads, a hundred people respond to that advertiser, which would be a huge response rate, really. Um, so even if a hundred people responded to that ad, so let's say a hundred people went to their website and then let's say 1% of those people actually made a purchasing decision, how much money would that advertiser recoup? Um, So if you can kind of look at the pricing, um, I, I don't think, I'm not suggesting that you necessarily have like a sliding scale pricing, but there are companies that sell low end, you know, products that don't cost very much. And then there are companies like mattresses, right? Like if they sold two mattresses, they could probably recoup the cost. So you do have to think about pricing and and trying to make it a win-win situation. So I do think that it's important for you to be realistic about the types of conversions you can have for a brand. Um, And then I really think that you need to play with it. And what I mean by that is come up with a number that you feel comfortable with. So if you're like, you know what, I would be super happy to do a two month campaign for $500. Like that seems like a reasonable price for me. It's enough money that I'm going to work hard to put together a really good, you know, um, campaign for them. It's enough that, um, I know that they can trust that they're excited to advertise with me and they can get a good return on their investment and then put that out there. And if advertisers are like, man, this is really overpriced, then, 
maybe you need to lower it a bit, right? Or if you find that people are like, oh yeah, that's nothing. Let's do that. Maybe you need to inch it up a little bit. Or maybe (laughs) after you get a few advertisers, you're like, I sold three at 500. Now I'm going to see what happens at six. Now I'm going to see what happens at 12. You know, like you can definitely play around with the numbers and see um, how you can increase them. But I do really believe that when you're smaller, you don't want to go on the industry standards of you should pay X number of dollars for X number of impressions because it isn't going to work for you. You're just not going to make enough money, but you do have to be really careful not to overprice yourself because your audiences are smaller. It makes a lot of sense because I always have that consideration as well. It's saying, what is this feasible return on investment for that brand organization? And where I fell down a lot in my just general knowledge of brands was about how much money do they have in their marketing budget? Because let's say if you are a startup, you invest in two things, development and marketing. That's what most startups do. So it's kind of thinking like, okay, how much do they want to allocate plus how much is the ROI that they're going to get on their investment? So that was always a difficult balance to kind of strike in my own in my own kind of example. And then when I kind of got, got into the details then of, let's try to strike up a contract, let's try to strike, strike up a deal. It's like, okay, I don't have any data to tell me that this is going to work. And I think that's why, as you said, starting low, building up a couple of uh, partnerships and then essentially moving up, you know, that's kind of a good approach. But even when you mentioned affiliate, pro, affiliate marketing, like affiliate marketing can essentially be more to you than the advertising alone if it is a good uh, product. So, and also pretty much anyone can use affiliate marketing. You can sign up to pretty much any platform and you might need to need meet a, f- a few criteria for, f- for a few, but not for all of them. And then at that point, then you can um, list them, see what see what's working, see what's not working, pick a niche maybe and uh, develop it a little bit further. But I think instead of jumping into the deep end, it's not a good approach right, right, right at, the, at the beginning. Yeah. Well, yes, absolutely. And what you said that is so important too, is that um, you, one of the number one questions that you will get over and over is what kind of conversion rate can I expect? Right? Because if you are talking to a direct response advertiser, meaning a company that wants to see that if they sign up with you, they're going to get a direct, you know, response from that, then you have to make sure that you know what kind of conversion rate they're going to get. And you only know that if you create like an affiliate deal program, right? So that's why I think in my opinion, if you have never had advertisers, find winners, right? Like, so like we were talking about earlier with the mattress company and the financial (laughs) company, I mean, find advertisers where you're like, if I talk about this product, you know, like if, if I have a web development, you know, podcast and I recommend HostGator, I know people are going to use HostGator and I'm going to get like a good return. Right. So like find a, I would say like kind of a shoe in advertiser to start that affiliate relationship with, but then you can create a conversion rate and you can go to advertisers after that and say, Oh yeah, my show has a 25% conversion rate, which is really high. It would never be that high, but <laughs> you know, like, um, you would you can right, create though. that. Yeah. You're dead, right. You're dead, right. Yeah. Um, what are those success criteria you should, you should hit? Should you be looking for, let's say 2% conversion, 1% conversion on in comparison to how much downloads you have. So if you have a thousand people, let's say, and if you have got 1%, that's 10 people to convert, you know, on average, let's say. Yeah. So, I mean, 
the numbers really aren't great. The um, when it comes like when it comes to actual numbers, they tend to be quite low in um, like in just total conversions. So podcasts in you know in in general through Pod Sites, which is an attribution company, they created a report that said. I believe it is 0.13% of listeners will go to a site. And then once those 0.3% of listeners will go to a site, 7% of those people will actually make a buying decision. So you have to be real. So that's why when your audience gets really small, then like, like we were saying, like a 10% conversion rate of even just traffic to an advertiser's site is really high. Um, and you're probably not going to get there unless you've got a product that is just super, super well aligned. Um, and so that's why you just kind of have to be careful in terms of, of over-promising. So what you might consider doing um, is really looking at um, the you know, when, when we think about, uh, the options in terms of, of conversions, if you can find a brand advertiser, that is going to be much better for you because a brand advertiser isn't looking at how many conversions did I get? So if somebody is just looking for awareness, that's going to be an easier kind of sell for you. That's, I did not ever think of the possibility of like a brand marketer. So that's an interesting route. So they're just looking for reach and they're looking for just get a broader audience. Mm -hmm. So I suppose that will, that will tie back to how much downloads you get. So essentially versus um, any sort of like kind of ROI, because if you had small amount of downloads, but that was driving to a site for conversion that might sell, but if maybe for a brand advertiser, they're looking for more downloads because they're just looking for reach. Right. Exactly. Yeah. That's interesting. That's interesting. Um, last area I want to get into is about like, how should you close out these deals? Should you draw up a contract? Should there be something like this in place or how do we do it? Yeah, absolutely. So we actually have a downloadable contract. So if you just were to Google and we certainly can supply you with a link if you'd like to put it in the show notes, but, um, if you just go true native media and then podcast contract, it'll come up and you can download a free contract, but you definitely do want to put a contract in place with potential advertiser because, um, that contract is going to say what you are committing to deliver. And then you will know what are you going to be delivering and they will know what you're going to be delivering and there won't be any question. Also, you will know when they're going to pay you, um, which is really important when it comes to advertising as well. Um, if you can get advertisers to pay you in advance, I always say that that is a good way of going about it, especially if you're dealing, um, you know, directly with a company, most of them will pay you in advance of the ad run. Um, and that is a really good way because then you're not worrying about are they going to pay you or are they not, but you definitely do want to have a contract that, you know, tells what you're going to deliver, what they're expecting and what the compensation will be. Awesome. I'm going to check that out right away because that's something that I just couldn't wrap my head around. I was like, how is this going to work? How could you do it? Because of course that makes sense. You know, that's not the, the natural approach. So leave it right here, but Heather, where can people find you? Where can people find your company and everything you do that's so great that's out there at the moment yeah absolutely you can go to truenativemedia.com and that's a good place um, to find we've got a lot of, of resources there that you can check out um, so if you're interested in anything podcast advertising related um, head on over there and if you're looking to connect with me personally I'm really active on LinkedIn so um, you can head on over to LinkedIn and find me there awesome thank you so much really appreciate it